In this episode of the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast, I am going to give my top five sophomore standouts from the California Classic. Now the Salt Lake City Summer League is still going on, so that's why you're not gonna hear me talk about Chet Holmgren and the trio or, or, or four sophomores on the Memphis Grizzlies. But this is all about the California Classic. Stay tuned to hear my thoughts on the five sophomores that caught my attention. Shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. This is your host, Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board and the founder of NBA Draft Junkies. We are one day away from the NBA 23 2K24. I think that's the official name of it. The NBA 2K24 Summer League in Las Vegas. I leave out in the morning. I'm looking forward to it. This is probably the most anticipated summer league for me, uh, just because of the whole Victor Wimbayama mania that has uh, taken over the basketball world. Brandon Miller, who's, I mean, hasn't been playing great, but that's going to be a big matchup tomorrow night. This is probably the most anticipated, I think, as far as like buzz since maybe Zion Williamson. And the Zion Williamson year, so I think that was 21, and then the Lonzo Ball year. And I, I just got off the phone, I was just telling somebody that I attended Summer League both years, but I do not remember anything about the Lonzo Ball year and the Zion Williamson year. So the 2017 draft, I had lived in Istanbul, Turkey for the entire year, so it was like 10 months. And then right after basketball season ended there, I went to the under 19s, which was in Cairo, Egypt. And that was the tournament where RJ Barrett had like 38 points against Team USA. And from Cairo, I ended up going to Las Vegas. So after Ben and, and you know, Europe, even though Turkey, Istanbul is like half in Europe, half in Asia. So just in case you're like a geography nerd, I don't want you like in my mentions telling me that Turkey is, is in Asia. But anyway, after being gone for that long, and then it's already a, a different time zone just going from like Istanbul to Dallas. So you add two more hours. I was asleep. I was at the arena, knocked out sleep. I do not remember anything about, that was the first time I saw summer league games sell out and people scalping tickets for a profit outside the arena. And then the Zion Williamson year, I was at the under, the under the under 18s or 19s, it was in Greece. And I missed the opening day, but I remember watching at like three o'clock in the morning, sitting in my Airbnb in, in Greece and seeing like, you know, the whole buzz around Zion. And then that was like the earthquake. And then after that, it was like the whole Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, uh, situation with the Clippers and I just remember not getting any sleep that night and then making that cross-country flight straight to Las Vegas I don't remember anything that summer league either I was knocked out and exhausted but this year I didn't go to the under 19s I've been in Dallas since New York so said all that to say this I'm really looking forward to this year um, just seeing Victor seeing the Thompson twins I haven't had a chance to watch them play live. I've only seen Scoot play live once. I've tried to watch him five times. So I'm really, really looking forward to it. I think that 
this class has tremendous amount of buzz, which is actually shocking to me considering that four out of the top five guys in this draft didn't play college basketball, didn't have the, the whole NCAA and NCAA tournament machine behind them. But despite that, I mean, this is a, it's, it's, it's just a buzz that I haven't seen. I've been getting tons of calls and messages from people asking me, can I get them tickets? Because tickets are apparently sold out for at least tomorrow night's game and then maybe throughout the weekend. But anyway, I wanna talk about the California Classic which is basically the appetizer to the Las Vegas Summer League. And there were five rookies that caught my, not five rookies, five sophomores that caught my attention. And Keegan Murray is not one of them. Keegan Murray was just too good for Summer League. He averaged 35 points in his two games. Had a 41-point game last night. Then he had 29 on, on Monday night. It was just too easy for him. So he doesn't make my list. Sorry, if you are wanting to hear me do a breakdown on Keegan Murray, it was just too easy for him. And same for Malachi Branham. Even though Branham only played one game, which was last night, it looked too easy for him too. He had 32 points, made 12 out of 24 from the field, three of six from three against the Hornets, which so far everybody has looked good against the Hornets. Like, I don't know. That's a whole different subject. Hopefully, Charlotte looks a little bit better in Las Vegas. Maybe that maybe it was just too much going on in Sacramento, and you know Vegas is going to be a little more a little bit more calm and, and chill for them. But anyway, but yeah. So Malachi Branham and Keegan Murray did not make my list of standout sophomores because they were just they were just too good. And then I can say the same for Jalen Williams and the Salt Lake City League, which is still going on. They have a couple more games tonight. But the first player that I want to talk about is Max Christie. I was not a big Max Christie guy coming into last year's draft. Wasn't a big Max Christie guy. Even just watching his film throughout his freshman year at Michigan State. I know that people really, really liked him coming into college. And I think he was one of the top, if not the top, ranked player at his position. I saw the potential, in a sense, in him. But I never saw like a Max Christie game where I was like, yo, this, this, this guy is going to be good. Or, or I totally get it. But I did see it so far over two games in, in the summer league. Now, he does have an uphill battle to crack the Lakers rotation. They just brought in Torian Prince. They still have, obviously, LeBron James. You got Austin Reeves. I mean, they have quite a bit of depth. I think he can beat out Cam Reddish, but I'm not a Cam Reddish fan. But he does have an uphill battle to crack their rotation. But I think that so far, it's only been two games, but I think he's done a good job of making a strong case for himself. He averaged 21 points, five rebounds, four assists per game over the two games this week. But check this out. 54, 62, 91 shooting splits. I'm saying it again, just in case you didn't hear me. 54, 62, 91 shooting splits. Basically, Max Christie did not miss. But I like how he was aggressive. He got downhill. He attempted 12 free throw attempts over the two games. He made plays for himself, made plays for others, showed more offensive creativity off the dribble. I was impressed. And that's, that's, I don't want to keep using the word impressed because I'm probably going to use it multiple times throughout this episode, but Max Christie was the guy that stood out for me the most. 
and anyone who knows me knows I'm not a Lakers fan and I was not a big Max Christie fan. So for me to say he was the most impressive guy at the California Classic is saying a lot, even though I try to be as unbiased as possible. But again, 12 foul attempts, got to the free throw line, showed excellent touch around the rim as far as just being able to just make his floaters if he couldn't get all the way to the basket. He rebounded, scored off on the move. Like I said, I thought Max Christie was really, really good. All right, when we return, I wanna talk about Nikola Jovic, somebody who I've been watching for years in Europe, and his performance at the California Classic was the best I've seen him play since the U19s in 2021. All right, stay tuned to hear my thoughts about Nikola Jovic, but I wanna talk to you, the audience, about better help, because this episode, was brought to you by Better Help. Now, have you ever felt uncertain about something that you were going through in life and you just wanted someone to talk to or maybe even listen? Where Better Help is here for you. And if you've ever had therapy and you know just how therapy works and you know it can be challenging, Better Help can make it a lot more convenient for you. And you gotta give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, and it is designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited for your schedule. All you have to do is just fill out a questionnaire, and you'll get matched with a licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists at any time, and there's no additional charge. Again, check it out, BetterHelp. Use, go to betterhelp.com slash LockedOnNBA, and you'll get 10% off your first month. That is better, H-E-L-P dot com slash locked on N-B-A. Once again, big thank you to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Boy podcast a success for making it your first listen of the day. Whether it's your second listen, your third listen, just the fact that you are listening means a lot to me and my co-host. We are wrapping up the 2023 NBA draft class. We are now basically at the finish line with the Summer League in Las Vegas. Like I said, I'll be there tomorrow. And in the next episode, I'm gonna be talking about the Summer League in Las Vegas. So I will be previewing the first night's action, which again, I'm really looking forward to. All right, let's talk about Nikola Jovic. Nikola Jovic was selected by the Miami Heat last year, did not play much, which is expected, considering that he was on a team that went all the way to the NBA Finals. And his first game and his second stint in the summer league, to me, was impressive. Again, there I am using that word again. He had 21 points, he had eight rebounds, and three assists against the Lakers. Now, I was really high on him coming into the draft. I liked his potential as a Swiss Army knife. I mean, he's so skilled. And that's the thing about Serbian players is, you know, you don't, I don't necessarily like categorizing players from a country in the same box. But one thing I can say about Serbian players, no matter how tall they are, they are skilled. They can pass, they can handle. I mean, they're really versatile. And that is basically the epitome of Nikola Jovic's game. Like I said, he's 6'11", he can handle. And the biggest improvement for me was his shooting. That was like the knock on him, that he had a really flat shot, wasn't a good shooter. And even though it's a small sample size, he shot 55% from three. In, in the two games, but he looked confident shooting the threes, pull up at the top of the key. He was good as far as like turning rebounds into personal fast breaks. I mean, he's smooth and agile and fluid, made the right read. Sometimes his passes didn't lead to assists, 
but it was just an impressive read because he can see over the top of the defense. He is someone that I think is going to have a really good NBA career, whether it's in Miami or not. I don't know. I mean, there's so many rumors and speculation about Damian Lillard going to Miami. And, and I figure if, if Lillard is going to the Heat, then Jovic has to be in that deal. And whether it's it's in Miami or even if it's in Portland next year, I think for him, playing in Portland would probably be the most beneficial as far as like playing time. But I think he's shown some strides. Again, it's a small sample side, but I think he's shown enough strides to where you feel confident, like, all right, he's improved and maybe we can put him on the floor for a few minutes if you're the Miami Heat. But overall in the two games, 21 and a half points, five and a half rebounds, two assists, 52% from the floor, 55% from three and 80% from the foul line. So if you're a Miami Heat fan, you have to be encouraged with Nikola Jovic's play in summer league. All right, now let's talk about Julian Champagne. And I talked about him a little bit in yesterday's, yesterday's episode. His rise has been crazy. Undrafted, started the season on the two-way. He didn't even begin the season with the Spurs. They picked him up um, and in his last 15 games of the regular season, he averaged 11 points and four rebounds per game while shooting 40% from three. It's almost like this 15 game stretch for the Spurs. They were so confident in what he did and they liked him enough to where they gave him a four year, $12 million contract, really based off of those last 15 games. And it's a success story. You go from undrafted to actually getting playing time in the NBA to a contract in a year, I mean, that is, I mean, that's pretty much every guy that gets undrafted or a guy that starts off on a two-way, I mean, that's the ideal scenario. But what Champagne has, has done in summer league so far makes you wonder how many GMs and scouts are scratching their head or kicking themselves like, we really missed out. And maybe it's just the Spurs player development program. I don't know what it is in the water in San Antonio, what they're doing, but Champagne looks good. If he were someone that was drafted in the first round, let's say he was a top 10, 15 pick, and the way that he played in Sacramento, we'd be saying, oh man, they need to shut him down. He's too good for summer league. His first game, 30 points against the Hornets. Well, it's the Hornets, man. 30 points against the Hornets. Everybody gets buckets against the Hornets in the summer league. Like I said, they look like they had never played together. They don't look like they have a defensive plan, so on. But then he backed it up in last night's game. 28 points, five rebounds, two blocks in 27 minutes. So overall, he made 10 out of 22 of his attempts from three, and he averaged 29 and a half points per game in just 52 minutes. Julian Champagne was, was arguably, outside of Keegan Murray, arguably the best player at the California Classic. All right, when we return, I'll talk about his teammate, Blake Wesley, who I remain really, really high on. Stay tuned. All right, last segment, I wanna talk about Blake Wesley. I'm a big fan of Blake Wesley's upside. I think if he puts it all together, I think he's going to be a high-level NBA starter. One, he has great size. I mean, you just look at him on the court. He's long, he's athletic, but he is fast. He has the foot speed and the first step of a six foot point guard. 
Now I know that shooting is a little bit of a concern, which he has plenty of time to develop into a good shooter. If he can continue to make strides as a shooter and as a decision maker, I think that he has the potential, like I said, to be a high level starter. He's a big guard, he's fast, he can get to the rim, and with that first step and that speed, he can put pressure at the rim, which is something that every team wants is someone that can pressure the rim. And he's improving as a passer. So I, I look at Blake as like this big guard that if you run pick and rolls, he'll be able to just blow by slower foot center. I mean, everybody's gonna be slower than him pretty much. Blow by guys, get to the lane, and whether it's a finish at the rim or it's kicking it out to the corner for a three, I just think that he is going to be a walking paint touch. And I like aggressive guards or point guards that can get downhill and collapse the defense. And I think that's what Blake Wesley could do. And then I'm just visualizing him getting in the lane and just being able to just throw a lob up and Victor catch the ball. I mean, he has a dunk radius, a lob radius that very few can get to. So I really like Blake's potential as a as a primary ball handler down the line playing with Victor Wimbayama. And even though he didn't have like big numbers, he posted 13 points, six and a half rebounds, six and a half assists, and shot 55% from the floor. Didn't make any of his threes, but again, I like the upside. And then Blake, you know, even though he is a sophomore, he was limited to just 37 games as a rookie. I know he had a knee injury. I think he also had a foot injury. So he's still, in the process of getting his feet wet in the NBA. And for Blake, he wasn't a guy that came into his freshman season at Notre Dame as a one and done guy, super highly touted, made a name for himself and ends up being a first round pick. And I think that he's going to outplay his draft position because San Antonio has done a good job of developing guys. And if Blake Wesley can continue to make strides, he's going to be a okay. All right, and the last prospect that I want to talk about, I just call him Lester Q, Lester Quinones. Hopefully I said it correctly. I always like feel like I'm saying it right. And then something, actually it's one of those things where sometimes on the broadcast you hear like broadcasters say different things, but Lester Q, guy was known at Memphis for wearing like the shortest shorts known to man. And he is making a name for himself as a player that if he's given the right opportunity, he's going to be an NBA player. Like right now he's on the fringe, even though he was the Kia G League most improved player and then he was the runner up for the rookie of the year and he's fighting to fill like one of the last one or two roster spots for the Warriors, but he's making a strong case. Again, he's another guy that if he came in with the reputation of he were a you know, top 10 pick, and he had a strong rookie year. Based off of the way, he's, the way he's playing now, people will be saying he needs to be shut down. He's too good for summer league. And in his two games, he's had 21 points and 26 points, and he shot 50% from the floor. He's 18 of 32 overall. He's 10 out of 17 from three, and he scored 45 points in his two games. So I think that he has really, really helped himself I know the Warriors extended him a qualifying offer, so if a team, I guess he's restricted. I don't know if the Warriors are going to give him a roster spot based off of his play in Summer League, but you have to think that he is going to be the favorite to win this last roster spot or last two roster spots in training camp just because he's familiar 
with the organization and how well he's played. But maybe there's a team that sees his performance in California, and then if he continues the same play in Las Vegas, maybe it can get him a, a guaranteed contract going into camp. Well, that wraps up this episode. Once again, it's Rafael Barlow. I will be in Las Vegas tomorrow morning. Can't wait, looking forward to it. Again, I've had a couple people reach out. If you see me in Vegas, say hello, say what's up, or shoot me a message on Twitter, Barlow500, which if you're watching on YouTube, you can see. Shoot me a message, let me know you'll be in Vegas, and then maybe we can catch up. All right, once again, I am out.